And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up? Welcome back to a post-game edition of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders get it done in overtime, a walk-off OT winner for the second straight week, 40-34 to over the Seahawks in Seattle. And um, we have to apologize to Josh Jacobs for saying that he cannot hit home runs. Uh, 86-yard home run uh, to win the game. Another monster game. I mean, we've been talking about how how big Josh Jacobs has been all season. Today, he goes for 303 yards of total offense. Nothing much more you can say about Josh Jacobs than, I mean, he's one of the best two or three backs in the league. Yeah, I mean, he, he was big in the passing game as well. He, I, he made that big one-hand catch. And you know, I, I think some of it had to do with how much attention they were putting on Devontae Adams. Pete Carroll talked about after the game that they put too much emphasis on taking away Devontae Adams, which opened up things in a run game and it just kind of shows that these two things kind of complement each other even on a big run they shaded that free safety way over Devonte adams which opened up a lane for jacobs once he got to the secondary that free safety didn't have a angle on jacobs anymore but um yeah just credit to jacobs and this is kind of how you know this offense could go when the run game and adams is able to complement each other yeah, I mean, this is just pretty insane offensive performance for them overall. I mean, 40 points, uh, 576 total yards. They averaged 7.5 yards per play. Like, they didn't have those two turnovers. They might put up, you know, damn near 50 points in this game. And it, it was all running through Josh Jacobs, which is really, you know, coming into the season, that wasn't anywhere near the expectation. It was all about, you know, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, the passing offense. And especially after his fifth-year option got declined, you know, Josh, we were even questioning, you know, would Zamir White be the lead running back, you know, at certain points this offseason? And so for him to have this sort of a game, I mean, 303 yards from scrimmage, the most in Raiders history, um, the fifth most in NFL history, period. I mean, it's literally one of the best performances that there's ever been in the league. And I'm not sure how many people thought he would be capable of this. And especially when you when you add it into the context of just this season, I mean, just performance after performance where he has these big games and comes through in, in big moments for the team. You know, regardless of their, their record aside, like he's he's been pretty sensational all the way through this season, and he's setting himself up to get a pretty crazy bag this off season. Uh, I know people don't want to think about that yet, but if he's playing like this, they're going to have to come correct when it, when it comes to that negotiating table. Yeah, he's having an all pro season. I mean, he really is. Uh, he gets better and better, and now he's breaking home runs. He's he gets all the tough yards and kind of uh, has that will to win, which has been huge for them this year when they when they actually have one game. So I just wonder 
you gotta wonder if it, if it was all based on him deserving it or him earning it, uh, you know, the new contract. He's done that. He's shown that he's everything you want in a number one running back in terms of you know uh, pass blocking, running, receiving, just uh, the, the energy level, the effort, uh, the endurance. He's been a question mark in the past his durability. That's been answered this year. So. Uh, if it really was up in the air as far as the Raiders, you know, new regime want to see if he is worth it when he's shown he is. So that's definitely um, no longer a question. So it doesn't matter if you, do you want to pay him or not. But as well, if, if the question of if he's earned it or if he is that kind of a running back, then he's answered that question already. He did all this after injuring his calf at practice on Friday. He suddenly added to the injury report. He was questionable. Even in the fourth quarter, uh, was ruled questionable with that calf injury. And I think the durability stuff about him has always been a little bit overblown. I mean, he, you know, he's missed a couple of games here and there every year, but that's kind of running backs in the NFL. Most, you know, very few running backs play, you know, all 16 or now 17 games. And he's shown really, I think throughout his career, you look back to that rookie season, what, when he broke his shoulder and, you know, played the rest of the season with it until, you know, they were pretty much out of contention and and there was no reason to, to push it all that much more. I mean, he's not a guy that like, gets nagging injuries and says, all right, let me sit out the next couple of weeks. Um, I mean, he's as tough as it comes. And, uh, you know, to do all this uh, two days after, you know, injuring his calf and being questionable with that calf injury. I mean, I think that if you needed one final more answer on on the sheet to kind of figure out what kind of a back he is and what kind of just a a guy he is, football player he is, I think that was it. Yeah, and he said after the game, I mean, he, he wasn't sure until about an hour before kickoff that he'd be good to go when he got out there and ran around on the field and, it felt pretty good. Um, he said there were two times actually in the game where it, the Seattle's field is turf. Um, he says his foot got stuck a couple times and it kind of causes his calf to tighten up. And he said the Raiders actually didn't want him to finish the game, but he kind of convinced the training staff that he wanted to go back out there. And clearly in overtime, I mean, 86 yard run, run to win the game. Um, he, he proved him right there. He's become the player that uh, John Gruden and Mike Mack always said he, he was. I mean, they came, when they drafted him, they always were super high on him. And people were like, well, that's too much. They both were really uh, over the top in their compliments. But um, I mean, the way he's playing this year, he definitely has uh, backed those guys to stance up. We also got to credit the big guys up front, obviously. is another group that had a lot of doubts coming into this season. Know the pass protection has been hit or miss all season, but the run blocking has been pretty excellent you know, throughout. And, I mean, on the 86-yard run, I, I mean, Jay, Josh X basically had to make one cut, and then he was just on to the races, you know, going the rest of the way. I mean, Jakob Johnson, the fullback, obviously the five stars on the well. The, the receivers have done a good job blocking this year. I mean, you know, you don't have – I believe they had 283 rushing yards and averaged like 7.1 yards per carry as a team. Like, you know, that doesn't happen without some some pretty incredible blocking as well. So it was really a, a collective effort on that front. Yeah, the offensive line also gave Derek Carr plenty of time today against that um, Seahawks pass rush too. He, he was able to sit back in a pocket and, you know – go through his reads and there were times where he was able to go through his entire full field read and then still try to find somebody after, you know? So uh, yeah, credit to the line for their run blocking and their, their pass blocking today. They, they um, probably the best they've looked all year and one of the better performances, I, I think um, for offensive lines. Yeah. And in, in, in league just because they, they did it for the run and pass. And we also have to credit the defense um, overtime. Raiders attempt a 56-yard field goal, and Daniel Carlson misses it. And I, I think a lot of us at that point were, were talking about that could be the storyline of the game. Is Josh is Josh McDaniels? You know, he said in his post-game press conference that he was, you know, he wanted to be aggressive in this game, and kind of like up and down with that aggressiveness. There was times where he was, times where he wasn't, and that was a time where, I mean, attempting a 56-yard field goal in overtime 
when it doesn't even win you the game. You know, the the other team is still going to get the ball back with a chance to to match it or beat it. Questionable decision. They miss the field goal. And <laughs> any of us think at that point that the Raiders defense was going to force a three and out. I mean, they they give the Seahawks great field position and the Seahawks go nowhere with it. Um, We saw throughout this game, whenever there was a big third down where you needed him, Max Crosby, again, if we talk about all pro type players, I mean, he's having another all pro type season. That was impressive for them to deliver that kind of a three and out in that type of field position and immediately get the ball back with a, a three and out and forcing a punt. Yeah, I mean, even going back to the, the fourth quarter, you know, after they, they tied the game up and they kicked the field goal instead of going for two, that was kind of a maybe a questionable situation there. And then, you know, Max Crosby kind of started for him, you know, getting a sack and getting the Seahawks off the field where they had an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win the game. And then, um, again, they kind of played it safe at the end there. And I know they were backed up at their nine, but they had 40 seconds left, two timeouts, decided to just go into overtime. You know, as, as you said, you know, missed that field goal. And then Crosby on that third down to get him off the field, he almost snapped, sacked Geno Smith again. That's why it was an incompletion to, to get it away. And, you know, we've, we've raved about him all season. He's, he's, he's all, another guy that's having an all-pro caliber season and has stepped up and made plays really these last two games when they needed it from the defense. Like, you know, while the defense – I mean, they gave up 34 points. It wasn't a good defensive game. Last week against Broncos, they even had their bad moments. But when they needed a play and somebody to come through, Crosby was there and, and, and gave the opportunity to the offense for – Josh Jacobs to go ahead and end it. That was kind of the hope this season was that defense, no one thought it would be a great defense or even a good, but they just wanted to make some plays here and there to kind of, you know, I keep games in the winning column. I think you mentioned Max Crosby. I think Denzel Perriman had some big plays today, uh, Deron Harmon. Just the, you need guys to kind of like bend but don't break all the way. I think they made some plays today when they had to and definitely deserve some credit for the win. And the run defense was the best it was all season. I mean, you know, Kenneth Walker had some nice runs in the in the red zone. But other than that, he, he averaged uh, 1.9 yards per carry this whole day. And he, he's a big part of that offense. So credit to the run defense as well. A- Andrew Billings was very good. And like you said, Denzel Perriman was really good against the run. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to stop Geno Smith. He, he's it's weird to say that, but he, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in, in the league this season. And um, they got an interception off of him and uh, they almost got one in, in the red zone, too. So, yeah, good, good job by the defense and the, the run defense, especially made this offense one dimensional. Today was the first time we really saw, you know, Andrew Billings, Bilal Nichols deliver some of that interior pass rush, too, that we've been looking for. Um Unfortunately, one of the things to keep an eye on this week is uh, is Andrew Billings did go out with an injury and um yeah, we'll have to monitor that. That that didn't look great, but um, yeah, it, it was nice to see that kind of aspect of the defense come alive. I mean, you know, we know Crosby is what he is. I mean, six quarterback hits tonight. Six quarterback hits. The guy is is just an absolute animal back there. And um, like we said, he seems to rise to the occasion. But that you know, the Devont, uh, the Denzel Perryman interception. Uh, I mean, it was ball that was kind of thrown right to him. But it's it's been so rare that we see linebackers for this team be able to make plays on the ball, and uh, and, and that was huge. Where do you guys think Max Crosby is with the defensive player of the year um, conversation? I mean, he's definitely in the conversation. I know Chris Jones is another guy that I, I think he's the leader for most people. Who else is on that discussion? Uh, Michael Parsons. Yeah, Michael, Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons. Okay, I can't uh, Judon. Judon, I think, is a second leader right now. Um, yes, there's a few guys. I think I think ultimately with, with Crosby, the thing that will hold him back is – I mean, we have to see how the rest of the season goes, but the record. Typically, they try, they kind of treat like defensive player of the year, how they do MVP, where it's like best player, best team at that position, you know what I mean? It's not impossible, but they would have to go on a run, I think, for him to have a, a legit shot at it. But, I mean, he should be in a in pretty prime position to be a all-pro for the second straight year. 
which is, you know, that's good enough. What he's done this season is he's put himself on that pedestal where like every year he's going to enter the season on the short list of defensive player of the year candidates. And sometimes it takes a year like this where you kind of, you know, because last year, like we know he had a really good luck season last year creating pressures but the sack total wasn't quite there this year he's doing all that the run defense is there the sack total is there and so he i think he's kind of elevating his name to be on those future conversations and, and you know a lot of times that is what it takes you kind of have to get yourself into the conversation uh one season and then uh then maybe in the future so um and you know if, if they can have a season where the defense is like league average and and they are a playoff team then uh i think he's a guy that's gonna gonna join those conversations yeah, I mean, he's a great centerpiece. He's definitely, we, we've talked about it, written about how, how driven he is. He definitely never stops working. Right now he's watching the game film three or four times, eating his uh, McDonald's or Burger King right now, enjoying himself. But yeah, definitely he's uh, just a, a maniac as far as work ethic and watching and uh, out there trying to get new moves down and work on his run defense and just uh, never wants to uh, stop improving, which is great for a guy who's ready at the top of his game. For the Raiders to win this game, considering the way it started, let's take it back to the first quarter. Derek Carr's first pass of the day, intercepted. He throws, what, two interceptions in that first quarter. That's been the absolute recipe for the Raiders that, you know, for disaster. I mean, they had, that's one thing they haven't done, right? They haven't really turned the ball over. He had the three interceptions in the opener, and then he hasn't really, you know, they haven't turned the ball over much since then. Uh, you know, it was kind of a weird play on that first play. I, I don't know if there was some kind of miscommunication between him and Adams. Like Adams never really put his hands up um, to, to make much of an even uh, an attempt to, to catch the ball. I don't know if there was a timing thing, but uh, I, I mean, it, it I was a bad omen for the Raiders to, to to put you know to put themselves behind the eight ball like that. I mean, 28 seconds into the game, uh, they they received the ball to start the game and they were already trailing. Yeah, I mean, it set up a touchdown for the Seahawks, and they did answer on that, that touchdown throw to Amir Abdullah to tie it up. But then the next possession, I mean, you know. Uh, the Seahawks def- defender made a nice play, um, kind of poked the ball loose from Foster Moreau and ended up getting picked off again. And um, it just seemed like one of those where it's like, oh, here we go. You know, it's, it's especially the, given the defense is already bad. You're giving them short fields, the offense. You know, it seems like it's kind of out of sync in the pass game. They might, they might fall behind, so they can't run the ball as much. Like you, you kind of, you know, see the script starting to play out, not going in their favor. But you got to credit, I mean, you know, Derek Carr in the passing offense for bouncing back. I mean, he completed almost 70% of his passes, threw for almost 300 yards. He threw uh, for three touchdowns for the first time since 2020. Uh, shout out to Josh DeBow for calling that out every single game that Derek Carr plays. But he finally did it. He checked that box. For them to have, you know, damn near 600 total yards, obviously Josh Jacobs had a huge day, but also they, they were moving the ball pretty well through the air as well. And so this was their, their best overall offensive performance of the season, and it didn't get off to a good start. So I think it, you know, having that the gross amount of success is a big deal, but also showing that they have that resiliency to overcome, you know, kind of situational adversity within games and still have this kind of performance could go a long way for them. You know, as we've said, you know, not just for this season, but looking forward to starting to build confidence and this offense becoming what they expected it to when they poured all the resources into it that they did this offseason. There were definitely signs in the last game against a very good Denver pass defense that, you know, Carr looked like he was starting to get a lot more comfortable in the system, looked like Devontae Adams was getting more comfortable in the system. Today, I, you know, it was, it was a very, very good performance. Again, I mean, I think they did a lot to take away Devontae Adams, and right now, uh, there's not a ton of weapons uh, for Carr besides Devontae Adams, and he was still able to uh, put up good numbers through for three touchdowns. So this was another good performance, and um, you know we'll see ha- what this office can do when they start getting some of their weapons back, like Waller and, and Renfro. 
Yeah, I thought Foster Moreau made a nice touchdown catch. It was also a great throw by Derek, but he had missed um, he had a false start and a, could have been a big run on that the Turner run early on. Also dropped the ball. So definitely a tone for his mistakes and a nice catch in the corner. Got both feet in and a really nice pass from Carr. And Carr's shown he makes those kind of passes. He's, he has always, you know, comeback wins his career and definitely has a nice touch when it comes to, when it comes to crunch time. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Josh Jacobs tied uh, Devontae Adams as as leading receiver in a game in which he rushes for 229 yards. Him, him and Devontae Adams uh, match each other with 74 receiving yards. Uh, just, I, I don't know, they're... Running out of words, obviously, for Jacob. That's something else that people kind of knocked him for was his, his lack of receiving production when he got to the league, um, along with the you know, big hits through the run. And so he's 
I mean, he basically everything that people doubted him for, he put on display to like the highest degree in this game. And this, you know, like I said, it's one of the best performances, like period, NFL history. Ted, you, you mentioned kind of the attention earlier that uh, that Devonta Adams draws in, and uh, we saw that on the touchdown to uh, to Matt Collins, the uh, the flea flicker. It was a play that like it was kind of looked funky, you know. The Jacobs pitches it back to Carr, and he just he was kind of able to kind of flick it out there as he's under pressure. And it's like by the time Matt Collins got that ball, I mean nobody in the world was paying attention. I mean, and, and this is what we criticized, uh, you know, last week is that uh, they left Devonte Adams alone, and uh, because they were paying attention to Matt Collins, um, well, this time. They were paying attention to uh, Devonta Adams and Matt Collins, and by the time he caught that ball on that flea flicker, uh, a trick play finally worked, and uh, nobody was even—I mean, he's he's running toward the end zone, and defenders are still running with Devonta Adams. Yeah, I mean, you know, usually you see a flea fl- for flea flickers, you see a really far downfield pass. I was like, I was pretty surprised when it was just like a little five-yard pass after a flea flicker. But I mean, like you said, nobody was near him. He did a good job selling the block and. Two guys are running with Adams, and uh, it ended up being a touchdown. When we see the TV copy, you can't really see who's running, and then you just see Holland's kind of celebrate like 20 yards before he gets in the end zone. Yeah. That's how well the, that play worked. The guys who were covering Adams, I believe it's Tariq Woolen, and then they had Diggs helping over the top, and like they didn't even turn around. Like, they were just locked in on Devontae. Like, we're just running with him all the way to the end zone. Like, the ball's not coming. Don't care. We're still locked in on him. Like, they were, they were not. About to let happen what happened last week. Great play flake, obviously. Um, everybody that was in the box bit up on that and left Holland's wide. It was pitch and catch after that. You know, but it was just great play design. And I thought McDaniels, like I thought he had he called a pretty good game. I know kind of we you know, some of those I would have wanted him to be more aggressive in some of those situations coming down the stretch in terms of fourth down decision making and going for the field goal or two point conversion, that kind of stuff. But when you just talk about this offense as a whole and, and how they operated today, I think this is what it needs to look like, especially, you know, with them not having uh, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro for at least another game. You know, this this run first, I mean, it's because Josh Jacobs isn't, isn't always going to go for 200 and something yards on the ground, but this run first offense, and, and I think it was good to see them also get, you know, you saw Zamir White after he was inactive last week. He had a couple of carries for nice games. You know, Amir Abdullah got him more involved coming out the backfield, and so it, it seems like they're leaning more into that, you know, heavier personnel, so it's having Jakob Johnson out there a lot, uh, using tight ends when they have healthy ones. I know Foster Moreau carried a lot of work today, both as a blocker and receiver, and so I think it's starting to crystallize a little bit for them offensively, and it's coming against defenses that have played fairly well. I mean, we talked about the Broncos last week. The Seahawks have had a solid defense as of late during this recent run, and so this is something they can definitely build on moving forward. You know, I'm not you know, making any run uh, guarantees about a run or anything like that. They're still pretty far back in the playoff hunt, but it's got to be encouraging for them to you know see the offense come together this way and be able to carry them to some late game wins. I kind of questioned you know, running the clock out regulation, but I guess if you think about it, like you guys said, you don't have you know, Renfro or Waller, and you kind of are, are doing really well with what you have. Maybe it's not realistic to think you can get 50 yards in 25 seconds, so maybe that was the right move. Yeah, and like you had already had a couple turnovers. Like their pass rush was going to tee off in that situation because they know you have to pass the ball. Like unless they just ran maybe like a screen or something, like maybe that's the only thing. Like is Jacobs running as well as he w- he was, maybe that could have gone somewhere, but the. The, the chances of converting it were pretty low in comparison to some shit going terrible back. Because I, I think if, you know, uh, Keelan Cole hadn't muffed that punt and they had started out in a better, say, their own 15 to 20 yard line, I think they would have felt a little safer. But backed up near the end zone like that, you know, at the own nine yard line, a lot of shit can go wrong. And so, you know, uh, I guess he trusted the coin toss in overtime. He didn't score on the first time, but the defense kind of bailed him out. And then Josh Jacobs took it from there. 
at that point, he was just grateful that they recovered that muff putt, and he's just like, just get me to freaking overtime. And after, uh, I mean, that would have been a disaster. I mean, if they don't, we're obviously we're we're talking about Keelan Cole as uh, as as the guy who blew this game for him. I would definitely have lemon booty after that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being too aggressive in that moment. Like, hey, yeah, that's the omen. Maybe we should just thank our lucky stars and get to overtime. So overall, it, it was a good offensive game plan from Josh McDaniels. Good play calling overall, but the two questionable decisions I think were, was that toss on fourth and inches. I like the aggression going for the fourth down, but I just hate tosses on on fourth and short, and that ended badly. And then that decision to kick the field goal. Obviously, the defense was able to make up for it. But I mean, if you want to be aggressive, I think they should have went for that, that fourth and two. I mean, obviously it worked out, but you know, if we're just kind of discussing decisions on in a vacuum, those were probably his two worst decisions. Do you think there was any more weird Josh McDaniel decisions? I know a lot of people didn't like uh, his decision making today. After they scored the touchdown, it made it 34, 34. A lot of people kind of went and go for two there and try to end it. But you know, it's to get another situation where the Seahawks had so much time, like they could have, you know, it wasn't like they scored with two seconds left and that was to win the game. Like the Seahawks could have gone down and made a field goal like we felt they probably were going to do in that moment. And so I forget which game that was that, that happened as well earlier this season. The Chiefs game, I think it was, right, where they kind of had this similar play where they I think they decided to go for two. This time they didn't. So, you know, that, that stuff's always, you know, hit or miss. Like the toss play, like I don't I don't knock them too much for that because they had just ran it up the middle twice in a row. And so they figured they're probably expecting another run up the middle. So let's try to catch them outside. The field goal was the only one to me that was like, I know Daniel Carlson can make that for 56, but he's not, he's more of like a consistent guy, not like the the biggest leg in the world to drill those super long field goals. And as you said, it was fourth and short. Like if you're going to say aggressive, just go for it. They're probably going to get the ball around the same place anyway. You almost gave them some better field position, I think, by missing that field goal. And so that was the only one where I was like, they, they should have just gone for it if you, if you want to go for points. On the fourth down, the one thing I would say is like fourth and inches, like you can't give me a quarterback sneak and maybe maybe a factor there is you know Carr taking that shot to the midsection maybe he was you know maybe they didn't want to put him in, in harm's way of of barreling it up the middle and, and getting beat up a little bit maybe he was still hurting from that but that would be my one thing it's like fourth and inches to me like if, if you can't pick up a fourth and inches with a quarterback sneak then and what the hell are you doing um maybe Carr that that shot he took earlier in the game uh was a factor there I was gonna say I've been tough on Josh all year long, and they got they got back to back road wins, so he did a great job, great great job of Coach McDaniel's today, and uh, a real nice win for the for the Raiders. I want to take you guys inside uh, from our pre-show a little bit. Vic was uh, was asking us earlier uh, what what was the uh, the guarantee he 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 made uh, on the live show, and uh, we we confirmed to him that it was three wins in a row, so they've got two. Now it's one more win in a row. If they can win at home against the Chargers. Uh, He's gonna have to let the pipes out again. Was there like a certain song some guy wanted? Yeah, like, it's gonna be didn't... "Sail" from A Wall Nation. That's a difficult song. I think it's gonna be difficult. What the hell is "Sail"? All right, A Wall Nation. All right, cool. Let's look at where they are. I mean, we're we're not gonna start talking about the playoffs. Going talk, on right. Are you talking I mean, about the playoffs? They're, oh, no, man. I'm not talking playoffs. Jimmy Durkin's talking about the playoffs. Oh. I am. Somebody get Josh to Bowen here. Hey, I am the one that. <laughs> I, hey, I'm I'm the. What we have learned is when I dissent from when you guys all pick one thing and I go the other way that that is uh, the the lock of the week. Um, but no, they're four and seven. We're not we're not gonna go gonna go crazy here. But um, 
if they can win at home against the Chargers next week, the Rams are an absolute disaster right now. They have a chance at least to build a little momentum down the stretch, and we don't expect anything in terms of a playoff run this season. But as we were kind of talking, to, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks about what what do you want to see the rest of the way, you know, building some momentum and seeing this offense perform at the elite level that we expected is uh, it's now at least a possibility to kind of see them be able to go into the offseason with a vision of what they can be. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is that it's clear that the locker room isn't giving up, you know. I mean, that was because after the Colts loss, that was a legitimate point where it could have just completely flown off the fucking rails and, like, just start getting their ass whooped, you know, week after week and not really being competitive. But, you know, I mean, at least so far, I mean, back-to-back overtime wins, obviously they're still giving their all. And after they win these games, you see the emotion coming out of those guys. And that, you know, whether you make the playoffs or not, you know, if you start to build that where it's a consistent week in and week out thing, like, you're not always going to come out on top. Winning close games like this on the final play isn't really that staticky of a thing. Like, it usually doesn't translate from year to year, even from week to week. And so I think it's more so how they look at this point in these games. Like, they can't start having, like, those Saints games that we, that we saw, you know, when it gets shut out and look terrible. Like, it starts looking like that, then you have some concerns. But as long as they're competitive, I think, week in and week out, um, and then kind of finish the season strong in that, that form, then I think they can use that as sort of a foundation builder moving forward because, you know, at this point, like they're making the playoffs is a long shot. Like mathematically, you know, they still have a chance, but you know, obviously they want to do that. But um, I think it's more about uh, making sure that they stay together as, as a team for the rest of the way here. And that's, I think, the big thing of winning these games is that, you know, we were starting to see a couple of weeks ago the, the way Carr broke down after that loss. Um, it was seeming like there was starting to be some fractures. The fractures are starting to feel a little bit more repaired the last couple of weeks, and, and winning, uh, winning cures a lot of things. And uh, Winning puts off uh, us uh, studying the NFL draft uh, and all, all that a little bit. Could be a new trend, man. New trend. Quarterbacks crying could be the big thing in the NFL from now on. It could be like, <laughs> if fucking works. Like, show some emotion, blame some people. I like it. I will say on that, I mean, like, even the a couple guys that played through injury today, I mean, you know, Josh Jacobs, as we said, but also Colton Miller. You know, he missed last week with that that shoulder and abdomen injury that he had. Derek Carr, he's, you know, he has a little back thing. I don't know if he made some plenties about that before, but. He, did get, he got fucked up pretty bad on that on that hit. I mean, it looked like it hurt. So they have guys like playing through <laughs> looked it. Looked like it hurt. <laughs> look, 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 look pretty rough, man. I don't know if I would have got up. I don't know if I would have got up. Um, but, you know, I mean, they have guys pushing through injuries and not just pushing through, but like Josh Jacobs, I mean, performing like that, even though he was injured, I mean, that, that, that really galvanizes the locker room and, and goes a long way. I know it sounds kind of, you know, corny and cliche, but guys really do care about that kind of stuff. Um, and it kind of motivates guys to keep pushing and remember the week before Carr got really emotional you know he was in that like i have some stuff i want to say but i'm not gonna say it and you you said it after that game vic like say it Derek. you've been here nine years just freaking say it and i think he listened to you because the next week he said it and if you've got that kind of stuff bubbling at the surface holding it back and we'll address it in the locker room like i mean he wanted to try that for a week obviously and it didn't work. They it, it, they still came out, and it was a disaster. Sometimes people have to be publicly called out um, in, in order to make a change. And and if the Raiders, you know, if Derek Carr has a, kind of this this second life, and there is a, a new commitment to him, and and he is a guy that is around for the next five years, uh, maybe that's a, a turning point. There is that you know he called him out, and uh, the response has been pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, we know how the guys who've been there feel about him. But last week after that game, I talked to Keelan Cole and Matt Collins, two first-year guys, to kind of get a sense of his leadership and what that meant, the whole thing. And they said, you know, a guy like that calls you out or, or says something. The way he works, he's there like, you know, almost 24-7. He's totally I – mean, even Raider fans who don't like him have to admit, he definitely cares. He wants to be a Raider. He definitely – he said that numerous times. Definitely he wants to, to win here. I think you have to give him credit for that. And definitely a guy who – really, um, I think, shows he cares, which I think means a lot with the players in our locker room. You can see it after the game, that celebration, definitely um, the, the D.C. chance. And I mean, new players, old players, they all buy in with his leadership. So that's definitely important. And I think uh, that's why it worked for him with the academy, maybe a too emotional outburst, I don't know. But uh, the players definitely re- seem like they re- respond to it. Just don't let it get as bad as what's happening with uh, Kyler Murray and, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I mean, you guys probably did not paid attention to it, but um, yeah, it started an off season, and then Ian Rappaport had a report today that they're mending the the relationship. And then after the game, Murray's like, "Oh, you know, he was talking about a fourth and one play, and he said we were f schematically, basically putting a blame on Kingsbury. <laughs> Call out your coach, at, you know, but use that card maybe once once every three years, not uh, not too many times. Could be worse. You could be Kyler Murray. You could be Russell Wilson. That's who- true." is just remains an absolute disaster in Denver, and, and Raider fans love it. Yeah, I mean, shit, the, the, the Chargers next team, they, they almost they did a two-point conversion to beat the, the Cardinals. The Raiders should have beat the Cardinals. There you go. Start start peddling some some hope for next week to beat the Chargers at home. There you go. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Raiders are, like, slight favorites in that game. I mean, the Chargers, I mean, it's kind of a, an annual thing, right, where they get all the offseason hype, and then they just start are kind of eh, you know they're they're okay. They also have a shit ton of injuries. They've had an amazing amount of injuries this yeah, year. Yeah, so, that's I mean, true. Uh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure both is back soon or what. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a good time for the Raiders for that matchup. They definitely they probably will be favored by a couple points, I'd imagine. So definitely a winnable game. All right, well, we will get more into that game later this week. For now, we're going to sign off here from our post game edition, uh, and we'll be back in the middle of the week to get you ready for the Raiders hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Adios. 